When Job begins to lament being alive, he says a very strange statement. May those who are prepared to stir up the Leviathan to curse the day that he was born. Who are these people that are prepared to stir up the Leviathan? And what is the Leviathan anyways? In this episode, we will get to know who Job's friends are and then take a look at the Leviathan. Episode 17, The Gathering Today we'll be reading from chapters 2 through 3 and 41 in the book of Job. After being attacked physically by Satan, Job's friends came to comfort him. In Job 2 verses 11 through 13, it says that they made an appointment to come together to comfort him. Job's three friends were Eliphaz, the Tamanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namathanite. As mentioned in the previous episode, Eliphaz, the Tamanite, is thought to be Esau's son. Esau's grandson, the son of Eliphaz, is named Taman. It could have been that either Taman or Eliphaz settled the city of Taman and named it. The city of Taman is thought to be in the northern part of Edom. The meaning of Eliphaz means God is fine gold. It is thought that Eliphaz was a very wise man because based on Jeremiah 49 verse 7, the city of Taman is known for its wisdom. Bildad, his name is thought to mean son of Hadad. He lived in Shua. Shua is one of the sons of Abraham, who he had with his concubine, Keturah. As the rest of his sons that he had with concubines, Abraham sent them all away, in which they settled in the Sinai Peninsula. Therefore, it is thought that the city of Shua was somewhere in the Sinai Peninsula. This wouldn't be all that far from where Job lived, as it was just south of him in the land of Uz. Zophar means young bird. He came from Namah. Not much is known about the city of Namah. All that is really known about the name of Namah is that it belongs to a female descendant of Cain. Solomon married a princess from the Ammonites who would become the mother of King Rehoboam. Other forms of the name appear in the Bible as it was the name of one of the sons of Benjamin as well as Naaman, the captain of the army for Syria. Other than that, nothing else is known about the city. These friends of Job's all came together to help comfort and show sympathy to Job. The Hebrew word for sympathy means to shake the head or to rock the body back and forth. This is usually a sign of sharing the pain with the person. The word comfort means to try to mitigate the pain of someone that has been struck by a great tragedy or death. And man, did Job have that. When Job's friends got to him, it says in Job 2 verse 12 that they didn't even recognize who he was because of his body being so disfigured from the disease. The next thing that they did was that they tore their robes, wept, and threw dust up towards the heaven. The tearing of the robe was a sign of great distress and grief, but the throwing up of the dust is usually related to disease and death. The suffering was so great that no one talked for seven whole days. Job's friends just sat there with him for a whole week, just mourning with him. Typically, in Jewish culture, it was common for people to mourn for a whole week with friends and family in the house. They would oftentimes go without shaving or taking care of their physical appearances. Other times, as in the case with Job, they would shave their whole head completely. The silence finally ended with Job speaking. This is where the beginning of the book begins to turn towards being written like a poem. As a side note, this is why the book of Job is in the middle of the Bible, right before Psalms and Proverbs. 
it is thought to be one of the five books of wisdom literature in the Bible. For the next 42 chapters, a poetic conversation will happen between Job and his friends. When Job first speaks out, he begins by cursing the day that he was born, wishing that he was never born in the first place. The curse that Job says is one that he wished he never was born or conceived, and that darkness would fall upon the day to terrify it. The word used for darkness is a call for Job for the powers of darkness to cover the day, in essence, for the day to be blotted out from history. But it's interesting when he wants the day to be terrified. Job is calling for the day to be imprisoned in fear. This fear is the same type of fear and dread as when someone encounters the spiritual world. He wants this type of darkness and fear to cover the day, so much so that none of God's light would shine into it. Job then goes another step by saying that those who are prepared to stir up the Leviathan to curse the day as well. It is thought that those who are prepared to stir up the Leviathan to be skilled sorcerers in ancient times that were able to call up the creature. Job wants these ancient skilled sorcerers to curse the day that he was born so that it would never show up in the history books. What's also interesting is the Leviathan is stirred up by the sorcerers. The Leviathan appears in the Bible six times in Job, Psalms, and Isaiah. The name of the creature comes from the root word twist or coil and means the sinuous one. This makes some believe that it is somehow related to some type of serpent because in Job 26 verse 13, it refers to God being able to control the fleeing serpent as well as a word that is only found in Isaiah when it is referring to the Leviathan by calling it the Leviathan, the twisting serpent. It is also referred to as the sea monster. In the Greek Bible, the Leviathan is translated to be a dragon. This creature is also described in the Bible. In Job 41, God describes the creature to Job saying that the Leviathan cannot be captured or held down with ropes or cords, but it should be left alone. Because if anyone were to try to battle with it, God says that they would never want to try it again. Just the sight of the Leviathan causes the most fiercest warriors to lose hope and to run away from its presence. None can stand before it. Its skin, being covered by scales, cannot be penetrated by any type of weapons. And iron to it is as if it was straw or hay. Bronze to it was like rotten wood. From his mouth, he is able to breathe fire and cause the deep water to boil like a pot of boiling water. And when it swims, it leaves a wake in its path, causing the ocean to look white like white hair. Although it is described as an aquatic creature, it seems that it is able to go up on the land as well. God concludes his description of the creature as being the king of all the animals. Nothing is equal to it, and it goes about without fear. And although some areas of the Bible use the Leviathan to embody evil, for example, in Isaiah, it is portrayed as an enemy of God. In Job 41, God is proud of his creation that he has made. Just because the animal was fierce and very powerful in comparison to humans, it was still under the authority of God. In reality, in Psalms 104 verse 25 and 26, it portrays the Leviathan as God's pet in a sense and that God created the ocean for the Leviathan to play in. Other words used for play is frolic in the ocean. However, other parts of the Bible show the Leviathan as something that is evil and that it stands against God. And although in Job 41 God is glorified for creating the Leviathan, in Isaiah and other passages of Psalm, 
God is glorified for killing the Leviathan. In Psalm 74, it talks about the enemies of Israel and compares the Leviathan to being Israel's enemies and its heads get crushed by God. The passage in Psalm is talking about the past, whereas in Isaiah 27, it says that God will kill the Leviathan, the twisted fleeing serpent, the dragon of the sea with his sword. What's interesting is the tablet that is known as the Baal Epic has been discovered that parallels the language found in both of these passages. Written on this tablet is the Canaanite god of death talking to Baal, which as a side note, God being the one true God, would defeat these gods and their priests with Elijah on Mount Carmel later in Israel's history. On these tablets, Mot, the god of death, is talking to Baal, and it talks about a battle of Baal in which he struck down Yam, killing the great river god, and that he muzzled the dragon, the twisted serpent with seven heads. In Isaiah, the word that is used for sea to describe the dragon of the sea is Yam. In reality, most of the words used in the Bible to refer to the sea is Yam. Also, in Psalm 74 and in the Baal Epic, it refers to the twisted serpent as having multiple heads. It also talks in Psalm 74 that God is crushing the heads of the Leviathan, describing a battle between the sea dragon and God. Just like the Baal Epic describes a battle between the divine and a sea monster. Now, some scholars use this type of parallel between the Bible and other false religious writings to show that the Bible is false and that it just copies other ancient eastern myths from Israel's neighbors. But that isn't the case at all. The Baal epic is about the Canaanite god Baal, who many of the Israelites were turning away from the one true God to pursue this false god. So as the psalmist and Isaiah, they were writing from this context. Therefore, it could have been that they wrote these two passages in scripture to rebuke the pagan nations, as well as the Israelites that were pursuing the false gods. There is actually a term for this type of writing. It's called broken mythology. The two writers of the scriptures were taking these things that were being accredited to Baal and saying in essence that the one that really did all these powerful works was the one true God, not Baal. It is not agreeing with the false religions at all, but actually saying that those false gods are nothing in comparison to the real God. To add to this, oftentimes, False religious writings often take the truth and change it, taking away from what God really has done. Just like all religions have a worldwide flood, but it is often portrayed as another false god or gods that caused the flood. The same can also be seen with the Baal epic too. In other areas of the Bible, it uses the word Rahab to refer to another sea monster. Now the Rahab from Jericho, who helped hide the Israelite spies, is a totally different Hebrew word. It says in the Bible, Rahab, the sea monster, came across some type of judgment. It could be that the things that God actually did were taken by other false religions and attributed to their false gods. With that though, the Psalms and Isaiah passages could be using the term Leviathan as a poetic creature. Whereas in Job, it is actually talking about the real Leviathan that God was proud to have created. Now, many biblical scholars who have accepted the view of evolution say that it couldn't be any creature whatsoever, but rather that it was a mythical creature that embodied chaos in an animal. Others that have taken the view of evolution say that it's just a crocodile. The reason for them thinking this is because they believe that no human was alive during the time of the dinosaurs. 
saying that dinosaurs and anything else that resembled them were long gone before humans came into the picture. However, that isn't true at all. God created all animals, water creatures, and humans all within the same seven-day week, each day being 24 hours. With that, it is kind of obvious that we don't see this type of creature around today. So what is the Leviathan? It can't be the crocodile because in Egypt, they were hunted all the time. And although they were fearful, it does not cause men to run away from it while it is being hunted. Plus, they don't breathe fire and cause a large wake in the water while swimming. It also can't be a mythical creature because in Job 41, God gives too much of a description of the Leviathan for it not to be real. Looking from the Bible from the correct view that God created man and animals within the same week, they lived together. This includes dinosaurs. Although the creature that is described in Job isn't seen today, that doesn't mean that it didn't exist in the past. Many types of creatures have gone extinct since the time of creation. With that in mind, many creationists believe that it could have been several marine reptiles that have gone extinct. For example, the Chronosaurus, Liaplorodon, Sarcosuchus, Mosasaurus, and the Plesiosaurus. However, creationists have begun to move away from the Sarcosuchus as being a candidate for being the Leviathan because it doesn't really fit the description of being a sea serpent. This type of creature was thought to look like a crocodile, but just about 100 feet long. However, the thing that makes it a little harder to figure out is that the Leviathan was able to breathe fire. Now, some may say that there is no such thing as a reptile serpent that can breathe fire. As far as we see today, there is no such thing. This is where many would say that it's just a mythical creature. However, when looking at the different people groups, dragons are seen all across the world in history. The word for dinosaur has only recently been created. They used to be called by people in ancient records as dragons. What's interesting is that stories of dragons have spread across the world, from China, Japan, Australia, South America, Persia, India, Europe, Rome, Greece, Egypt, and into the Americas. Scholars say that there is no way that just memories could have spread across the world and its culture throughout the centuries. The only way could have been that these creatures were actually seen by these different people groups. And yes, stories have been made up, but they are rooted in facts. Today we don't know what dinosaurs did. Some could very well have had the ability to have fire come from its mouth. Today we have the bombardier beetle that can fire a hot chemical called quinine that will burn anything that is trying to attack it. Unfortunately, no one really knows what type of sea serpent the Leviathan was. It could have either been the Plesiosaurus that was just like the one that was found in 1977 off the coast of New Zealand, or any of the other now extinct reptiles. But no one really knows for sure. But one thing that we do know is that God describes a real living creature at the time in Job 41, not some fictional man-made creature. Therefore, when Job said, for those that caused the Leviathan to rise, let them curse the day of his birth, he really did not want to be alive. With Job wishing not to be alive and breaking the seven days of not speaking, his friends see the open door to comfort him in his suffering. So join us next time as we begin to look at the conversation between Job and his comforting friends in episode 18, Let's Chat. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. 
Go ahead and rate and review it and be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast. Also, be sure to tell your friends and family. For ways to give feedback or to let us know how this podcast has impacted you, check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.